we're selfish at times, right? We, we like things to be personal towards us. Some selfishness is always not a bad thing, right? So God is a personal God. We're going to look at a personal God today that is reaching out to you in your situation, what you're going through personally. Not what your mama going through, not what your daddy going through, not what your husband going through, not what your wife going through, but what you going through. See, some of you need to be delivered in here this morning. Some of you need to be delivered from, and you write it in. See, God is a merciful God. That's why he wants to deliver you. He wants to reach down and touch you in your situation. And we're going to see that this morning, that God loves us so much. And our story is so, is so interesting because we have a Jewish culture here, and not all the Jews, but we have a Jewish culture here that was out to persecute the God of all creation, who is Jesus Christ. God is Jesus in the flesh. And God's own people wanted to persecute him, Jesus Christ. So we have an interesting story here this morning. I'm so excited about it because I know somebody's going to get a breakthrough. We've been studying that you may believe. That's why Jesus was sent here that you may believe that he is God. And God has a plan to redeem man to himself. This has been our focus. And some of us along this journey, you need to continue to believe. Because sometimes our faith gets what? Weak. And sometimes we're not as faithful as we should be. But the word of God declaims that when we are faithless, he is what? Faithful. See, our faith in Jesus Christ is like no other. No other. Right? So God gave us his word that we can read it and we can depend on him so we can know him, that, that we can believe that he is the son of God, that he is your savior to save us from our what? Our sins, to save us from eternal damnation, to save us from hell because there was sin in the world. So God said, I'm sending my son that you may believe. So the book of John is all about Jesus and his miracles and all that he had done so that people would believe. Some didn't. When he healed, some didn't believe. Some wanted to persecute him, the religious Jewish folks. It's amazing that when Jesus would heal People's hearts were so hard that they didn't believe it, that he was God in the flesh. Maybe some of them just thought he was some type of magician. They just couldn't get their mind around it. But I believe more than anything that their hearts were hard. I'm going to read John 20, our focus verse for this series. It says, John 20, verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Those are the followers of Jesus Christ, those who he was training to go out and to preach the gospel. 
We know these things, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his what? Name. There's another verse, John 14, 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Not me, but Jesus. See, raise your hand up here if you want true life. If you want true life, raise your hand. The Bible declares it only comes through Jesus. It's only, it only comes through him that you have life. And I'm not talking about just life on this earth, but eternal life. So as I said before, God is a personal God. God wants a relationship with you personally. Not just through doing religious things. Not just being a good person. But God wants to be with you and deliver you from your issues. Rather they be sin or anything else. He wants to deliver you. Let's go to our focus chapter today. John chapter 5. Starting at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So here, the author doesn't give us what feast it is. The, the Jews had many different feasts. The feast of Passover and other feasts. But the Bible doesn't tell us specifically here what feast was happening at this time. But what the Bible does declares that, that Jesus is on the move. Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. Say Jesus is headed to Dubuque. Yes. He wants to meet you right here. See, he's here today to meet you in Dubuque. See, Jesus was on a mission, going to Jerusalem. Jesus is still on a mission this morning. And he's coming to see you. He's coming to see you personally. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. In Aramaic called Bethesda. Now, Bethesda means the house of mercy. That's what that means, the house of mercy. And this pool was known, word on the street, is that an angel will come down from time to time and stir the waters. Right? So let's see, there's, there's this pool over here. And this pool here, when the angel comes down, if you, if you had an illness, if you had a sickness, if you were lame, if whatever your issue was at the time, if you couldn't walk, you couldn't see, if you got to that pool first, guess what? You were healed. But only one person. The word declares only one person. 
We're going to continue, which has five roofed colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. A multitude means a lot. So you have this pool here, and I'm sure this was a popular place because they had some issues, this multitude. A multitude means a lot. So you have this pool here, and they all gathered, right? I'm sure people were coming and going. This had to be one of the, the, the ideal places to be if you had issues, if you had sicknesses. If you were blind, if you were lame, you was looking for a healing. Now, some of you today, how does this relate? Spiritually, some of us are blind. Some of us are lame. Some of us are paralyzed for what God has for your life. But as we read on, Jesus has the answer. One man was there, verse 5, who had been an invalid for 38 years. So this one guy has been struggling for a long time with his illness in amongst the scholars, there, there's debates about what that illness was. Some said maybe he had a stroke and he was paralyzed. So we, more than anything, we know he had an issue for 38 years. How many of you got a problem that you've been dealing with forever and forever and you can't shake it? Be honest with yourself. See, God... It's a personal God, and he wants to deal with your mess. He wants to deal with your issues. See, when the sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, all the issues, all the sin, all the challenges of the world were released at that time. Whether it be sickness, cancer, heart attacks, bite-biting, hate, discord, maliciousness, you name it. All these things were released. Sickness and disease were released at that time. And we today, we suffer because of that. We feel the pains of sin and disease. Some of you have lost loved ones over sin and disease. We live in a broken world where there's a lot of pain. And I can imagine this this man here having this issue, this pain, this whatever his disease was for 38 long years. Some of us can't handle a headache for an hour. Right? Some of us can't handle a cold for two weeks. Right? Our back give out of something, a, a disc, right? I mean, you, you complaining and it's like, man, when is this going to go? But this, this guy here, 38 years, he's been struggling. 38. That's a long time. Now, 
God in the flesh, who is Jesus, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? See, now we, we, we're going to move to this thing, this deity of Christ. See, God, Jesus knew that he had been there because God is Jesus. God knows all things. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So Jesus knew his issue. Jesus know your issue. You can't hide from him. He know what you're going through. He know the pain you're experiencing. He know the heartache. He know that sin you can't kick. Whatever it is, he know about it. And it's interesting, Bethesda is called the house of mercy. And Jesus is on a scene, on a scene coming with his mercy. See, God is a merciful God. See, the word declares that God did not come to the world, who is Jesus, to judge the world, but he came to redeem us. He came to fulfill the law, right? He came to fulfill all things that we may be what? Saved. See, God wants to save us from our situations, from what we're going through. So Jesus said, do you want to be healed? See, some of you, your finances might be towed up. Your job situation is towed up. Your family is towed up. You got all these things you're dealing with, brain health, you name it. You're going through something. And he's asking you today, do you want to be healed? That's the question. Do you want to come up? Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Some of you, y'all, we, we believe people are blocking our blessings, don't we, sometimes? Every time it's my turn, it seems like something just pulls me back from getting what I know God has already told me I can have or what I know God has for me. Every time I try to move forward, somebody pulls me back. Something's blocking. See, see, some of you, you're lonely, just like this man here. He was poor. He was lonely. He didn't have no friends to even get him in a pool. You would think that some people would say, all right, bro, we hit that water. I know, you came to, I know you came yesterday. You was here two weeks ago. You've been coming back and forth. We're we going to we gonna, we gonna get you, man. We're going to take you in the pool. We're going to get you in there. He, he didn't have that. See, some of you may feel like you don't got nobody to get you to where you need to go. See, but you don't need nobody. See, when you're in a bad situation, it's not always a... A, a negative thing. See, God likes to come when things are negative and it's toe up and it just seems like things can't get right. That's when God wants to come in. That's when he starts coming to Dubuque. That's when he goes to L.A. That's when he goes to Chi-Town. That's when he goes to Brazil. That's when he goes to Johannesburg. Huh? See, God wants to deliver his children from their trouble. I can hear David say, I cried out to the Lord, and he delivered me from all my trouble. 
the Bible says that the afflictions of the righteous are many, but it is him who delivers them from their pain, from your suffering. It is Jesus Christ. So say, I don't need nobody. I don't need nobody. See, when God is working, some, his full glory can't be displayed sometimes when other people are around. Because they they're not in tune with what he's getting ready to do. See, God don't need no help. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't need nobody. Sometimes God puts us in situations so people can't help us so we can just only focus on him. Because some people can't help your situation. You've been asking people to help you, your family, your friends, to help you, but you're still in that same situation. How come? Ask yourself, how come? You've been trying to help yourself, but you're still in the same situation. How come? Back to verse 7. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up and I can hear the discouragement in his soul. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And Jesus said, he didn't even encourage himself to get up. He didn't have nobody around him saying, get up. And at once, the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. So what did he, what, what did he show here? He showed faith and obedience. Now, if this cat would have stayed on his bed, his mat, relaxing, when the God of the universe said, get up and walk, what would have happened? If he would have said, well, Lord, I've I, I been here. I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't got no help. He could have used thousands of excuses why he couldn't get up and walk. He could have talked about his issue. Oh, I tried to get up and walk before, and it didn't work. Well, I've been to the physicians. I've been to these different doctors, right? But he got up. So that's one thing I want you to take away from you as we continue here. You got to have faith. Obedience. See, some of y'all, y'all, or and myself too, some of us, or we, haven't experienced the healing of God because we haven't gotten up. We haven't did what God told us to do. So we're missing that opportunity. And it's not God that's harping on us. He ain't mad. He wants you to get what's yours. But you got to get up. You got to take what's yours. God has something for all of us in here. There's something that you, your God wants you to press towards. Because you're still alive. You got blood running through your veins. You're not in eternal life yet. 
beyond here. So God has something for you to do. And if you have gotten up and walked, keep on walking. Encourage somebody else. Go be a testimony to those who are trying to figure it out. Because that's what God wants you to do once you done got up. Verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man was healed. And he took, his, took up his bed and walked. See, some of you, that you want that job promotion. You want your finances to get better. God says, get up. Get up. And act in faith. God has put a vision in your heart for a certain career, a certain place to go. He said, get up. See, I remember when, a few years ago, working at UD, God spoke to me. I was, my boss said, oh, I need y'all to figure out how you're going to do better in your, your recruiting. I said, well, man. How am I going to do that? And I, you know, sometimes I'm kind of puzzled. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to do this. So in my work, uh, students will apply online. And sometimes the application doesn't go all the way through. And you have to connect with that student. If you don't, you might lose that opportunity to have that chance to get that application. So not everybody's that really good at it. Sometimes some people focus on those little small little things. Some people are like, ah, I'll get back to it later, next week. And I was traveling on the road back and forth to Chicago, and it gets busy, you know. Uh, and God said, well, rather than in between your visits to high school, I want you to go to Starbucks, go somewhere, and I want you to email every single one of those students right away, every time right away. My application soared. My boss is like, what you doing? How you making all this happen? I said, I'm just listening to God. God told me to just email the, every student back right away. But I, I took a step. And some of those steps I've made over the years as God has guided me through my, my work at UD, he's promoted me. Not for me, but he's promoted me. So, when God asks you to do something, even if it seems weird, because think about this guy. He's sitting there, and Jesus, he says, get up and walk. He's like, how am I going to get up and walk? He didn't ask that question, did he? He just got up. So when God tells you to do something, like Nike say, just do it. Just do it. Because he's going to do something. Just make sure it ain't the voice of the enemy or your flesh or the world. Just know it's from God. And if you don't know when God is speaking, ask him, God, show me when you're speaking. Help me to understand when you're speaking. That's a part of asking God for wisdom. And he said he'll give it to you without partiality. He, he gives it to all. He has no pers perspective of person. See, isn't that so personal? So some of you know what you need to do. Some of you need to find out. But God is here. He wants to show you. But you have to be attentive. Right? 
Verse 9. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, I know when he got up, man, he felt good. He was ready. He walked around. He had been paralyzed or whatever his issue was. And I can believe he was probably thinking, is this really happening? Ooh, like, man, is, is, this, is this going on? This is too good to be true. Continuing in verse 9, it's going to get very interesting him. Interesting here. Now that day was the Sabbath. Now in America, we celebrate Sabbath on Sunday. The Jewish culture, they celebrate Saturday as, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Their Sabbath is on Saturdays. Now, the Sabbath, you don't supposed to do no work. Now, I did some study, and they got about, it was like 39 rules, like, within the Sabbath of what you can't do. In America, if we had to keep the Sabbath, if that was still part of God's law and plan, we'll be in trouble. Because we like cooking on the Sabbath. We like boating on the Sabbath. We like doing a lot of work on it. Some people like to go to work. I got to go to work after I even get done here on the Sabbath. All of these things they couldn't do. They had to make provision beforehand. So on Sunday, you just relaxing. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't picking up nothing. You ain't working. You ain't doing things around the house. Now, there were some exceptions to the rule based on the circumstance, but you didn't supposed to do anything. Nothing. Can you, can, can, America, some of us, sometimes we just need to do nothing, right? We, we're so busy. We're working all the time. But the Sabbath was created as a day to worship the creator, because God knows man, and he knows they'll work seven days a week. And that their jobs and everything else their will become their God. But he set aside a day that we can worship him because he is the one that created us. So we owe him at least one day to focus on him and to give him praise, to give him glory, to not sit around and work and do all these things. We're just supposed to Really just be in the presence of the Lord and giving thanks and enjoying fellowship with those we love. Verse 10. So the Jews said to the man, our guy that just got healed, said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And is it not lawful? For you to take up your bed. So he had some type of bed or mat. Because like I said, this guy was probably homeless. And he didn't have a home. He didn't have much. And that was his bed. Now, a part of the rule of the Sabbath, you don't supposed to be carrying nothing on Sunday. <laughs> so he, this cat, he got his mat. You know, he got his healing. He walking. He got his mat. And they said, hey, what you doing, man? You're not keeping the Sabbath. What are you doing? Now, I don't know if these Jews knew his situation. I'm not sure if they did. But if you go to Matthew 12, I encourage you to go check it out. Jesus healed someone else on the Sabbath. This man had a withered hand. 
His hand was all messed up, withered away. And Jesus healed him, and the Jewish folks, the, the Christian folks, they was mad at Jesus. They accused him of breaking the Sabbath, the breaking the law, the God in the flesh. How can the God of the universe in the flesh, who is Jesus, break the Sabbath? How can he break the law? The law was made for man, not for God. God doesn't worship himself. It was made for the people. Is it, is it, oh, excuse me, it is the Sabbath, I'm at verse 10, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. So he shifts the blame on Jesus. Because when you do something on the Sabbath that you're not supposed to be doing, you could be stoned. You could be killed on the Sabbath for doing that. So he, had, he didn't want no part of what was going to happen. So he said, oh, hey, it's, that guy, Jesus told me to do it. That man, that man told me to do it. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus hath withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So God reveals here that his disease, his sickness was part of his sin. See, part of what's holding some of us down is our sin. See, your, your new job promotion, your finances, all these things that you know God wants, wants to do through you, it is your sin that's holding you down. And he said, I want you to let it go. I want you to let it go, Zoe. Let it go. I want you to experience freedom. I want you to take up your bed and walk. Don't stay laid down in that sin, in those bad relationships, in that self-defeated mind, a mind of doubt rather than a mind of faith. God says, focus on me. See, that man, he focused on Jesus. When Jesus told him to get up, he got up. What is God asking you to do? Or what has he asked you to do in the past, but yet you haven't did it yet? So you don't want to miss God's opportunity for you. You can miss it. God doesn't want you to miss it. He says, see, you are well. See no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now, God is so personal because God, what Jesus could have did at the time is he could have addressed the guy right there in front of all those people, but he didn't. He came back later, and it was personal. He didn't try to put the man out there in front of all the people and make him look bad. 
He was personal, one-on-one. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed them. Had healed him, excuse me. So once he has his second encounter with Jesus, he had to go give a testimony. See, once God does something for you and heals you, he wants you to let people know for his glory. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that Jesus did this on purpose, too, because he knew this was stirring, he was, this was stir up the Jews and make them upset with him. But despite that, Jesus knew his job was to reveal himself to the Jewish people, whether they would accept him or not. So he did this deliberately. He knew. There's a scripture back in Matthew as well, back chapter 12. You can go through there and read through it, and it talks about Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is on the seventh day, and seven represents completion. See, when Jesus came, he came to complete all things that we may rest in him because he is the Sabbath. He is to give us rest from all that we're going through. And yet, and then our eternal rest, where we have no more struggles, will be in eternity. So that's why he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. But they Jewish, the Jewish people then, some of them, they didn't get it because they had the blinders on. They hard, their hearts were hard. And they didn't get what Christ was trying to do. Verse 16, and this was why the Jews was persecuting Jesus. Can you imagine that? People persecuting the God of the universe in the flesh because he's out. He's doing good on the, on the Sabbath when they say sp- his law says to rest, but he's doing good on that day, and they're upset about that. And this is why the Jews were persecuted, persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now, they got a big deal because he just put himself on the same level with God. He said he's God. They're totally upset with him. And Jesus had said these things plenty of times before, and he got them riled up. Verse 18, our last verse here. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, so they're mad that Jesus is breaking the Sabbath law that's not for God but it's for them, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That was a no-no in the Jewish nation's eyesight. So what God is saying here is that, hey, I'm a personal God. 
and I want to meet you where you're at. I know some of you are going through some things. I know some of you are struggling. Whether it's physically, mentally, in your soul, you name it. You, you put in a blank. And he's asking, do you want to be healed? Because I can deliver you. But you have to have faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That means all the time. Right? So we have to have faith. We have to believe that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him, those who seek after him. Right? And that faith is action, is obedience, is doing. Michael Jordan couldn't be the best, best basketball player of all times if he didn't go to the gym and shoot. If he felt like he was a, a great basketball player, but he always just kind of slept in and didn't go work hard and just kind of did his own thing, he wouldn't have been the best player. He had to go to the gym. He had to shoot. He had to, it had to be action. We reap what we sow, right? God is not mocked. So if we don't sow anything, we can't expect to reap anything. So allow God to take you to that next level. Some of you are going to leave here and you're going to do it. Some of you may not. But I hope that you all follow what God wants. Because as soon as you go out of this door, we know the distractions are coming, right? You got life getting ready to show up. All these things competing for your time. But God says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. When you take on me, you're going to have some rest. And you, I'm going to give you everything you want. Drop everything. Because in the Old Testament, they had supposed to drop everything and focus on the creator of the universe. God wants you to drop everything and focus on him because he is the Sabbath. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for me. As I give you this word, it's, it's for me too. We're in this together. Maybe we have to ask each other, hey, how are you doing with that uh, taking up your bed and walk? Right? We have to encourage one another. We have to see where we're at. We have to be honest with ourselves and honest before God so we can know that we're, we're moving forth. We want to enter his rest, right? We don't want to be struggling all the time, even though there's going to be some struggles, but not all the time. He wants us to get out of that mess of whatever that is. I don't know how many years it's been for some of you or weeks or months, but you can be delivered today. Father God, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. That you are such a personal God that you would come down in human flesh. That we may know who you are and that you would give us your son to die for us. To have eternal life and to have an abundant life in your name. I pray, God, that you reach down and touch us this morning. Lord, show us how we need to take up our bed and walk and follow you. That we may experience your goodness for our lives and for those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.